Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. It is October 12th, and this is episode number six of the Steelers Insider Podcast. I'm Jeremy Ritz, one of your hosts alongside Jim Wexel. Jim, how are you today? I'm good, Jeremy. Always good after a win, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the Steelers moved to two and three, and they prepare for a showdown this weekend against the Seattle Seahawks without Russell Wilson. And hopefully they can stack two wins. Uh, We want to first start by saying thank you for listening to the Steelers Insider podcast. It means a lot to us. We're having a lot of fun doing this. Please share, spread the word about the podcast with your family and friends. Um, And you can listen to us every Tuesday morning. We record at 5 a.m. I know that's pretty early. Uh, And then we try to get this out by 6. We've got a packed show for you today. We're going to talk about the Steelers' big win over the Broncos. We're going to talk about Najee Harris and his breakout game, the efficiency of Big Ben. Why did the defense uh, kind of fall into a lull in the fourth quarter? James Pierre giving up the big TD, but then closing out the game with a big interception, the Smith-Schuster injury, and then we'll close out with the terrible three, as we always do. And Jim, I got some good ones to fire your way today. And uh, as we always start, we got to get an up- update on Bobcat soccer. How's Sammy doing? How's the team doing? Bobcat soccer remains in first place. They uh, uh, played a couple teams that were down a little bit in the standing, so you worry about a letdown. There was no letdown for these Bobcats. Uh, they uh, beat uh, boy Thursday. Who did they play Thursday? I can't remember. But Western Michigan. Um, it was. Uh, I, I believe they gave up a goal, three-one. You know, my daughter doesn't give up many goals, so I count them. <laughs> and, and then she, uh, they. I'm sorry, they won four nothing at Northern Illinois. It was a long trip, and I worried about a letdown. And my, I sent my notes to my daughter about letdowns because I know all about the Steelers and their letdowns, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she said the coach is all over it. Don't worry, Dad. <laughs> they won four to nothing. She did not get credit for the shutout because they pulled, they put the backup in uh, her first minutes off, last ten minutes with a four nothing lead. They put the backup in to get some playing time. And you do not get credit for a shutout. Would have been her seventh, and she would have been, I think, in the top ten in the nation. Oh wow. And I said, Sam, you know, getting pulled t- 10 minutes cost you a shutout. She goes, I don't care. I'm glad the backup got <laughs> some time. She's from Minnesota and they were at Northern Illinois. So it was kind of close to the backup goalies home. And mom, her mom came to watch. So my daughter doesn't care about the number of shutouts and national ranking like her dad does. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw that she was uh, named the, was it the Mac player of the week? Back player of the week last week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah, they shut out a couple really good teams, and it, it that week propelled them to the top. She had a good week, but her defenders in front of her are so good. There are four. I don't know, one's a junior, but the others are seniors. She's a senior, and they they have red shirts left too. So uh, it's not the end of it this year. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really good defense. The coach is a former goalie, so he's defensive oriented. Okay. So trust me, it's not all her. But she did play pretty well. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I'm very excited uh, for Sammy. Very excited for you. And uh, paralleling their success are the Pittsburgh Steelers, who get the big win against the Denver Broncos. It was pretty maybe for three quarters. The fourth quarter is a little bit of a different story. But they moved to two and three. They're getting ready for Seattle. Uh, strong chance to go 500. We'll get started, Jim, with the offense and really. 
This game was about Najee Harris in the offensive line. Harris goes over 120 yards rushing for the first time in his young NFL career. And it's really the first time we've seen, we've seen the offensive line uh, get a good push. Um, I know if you just looked um, you know, from a 30,000-foot view, they you, you saw the defensive line looking back or Moop getting pushed back. You saw Ben Roethlisberger getting some time. What do you think resulted in that cohesion uh, on the offensive line that, that created that space for Najee Harris and what gave Big Ben the time to throw? Well, just time. I mean, we've talked about patience with the offensive line, which I didn't have. I don't want to speak for you, but I didn't have at the beginning of the year. I, I I'm used to – you know, I don't know if you remember San Diego came to town. They had they picked up a guy out of Walmart to play right guard or something, and and they were just so beat up on their offensive line, and they beat the Steelers. So I, I think of all these teams who have been injured and beat up and still have played well. So I kind of thought, you know, maybe offensive lines are overrated. Maybe all that chemistry is overrated. That's wrong, and, and we saw that. So it is a process, and now that process is beginning to pay off. Mm-hmm. When we look at Kevin Dotson. Geez, oh man, he was just—he was knocking people around. Yeah, I don't know about his technical aspects and how his gray, how he graded out, but the physicality is obvious. And uh, you know, and that touchdown run by Najee, and uh, and and more to the left of him. And Kendrick Green isn't as big as those two, but he's physical too. Those are the three who interest me the most. As long as a core four does his Von Miller thing, yeah. They keep telling me Von Miller's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> you know, I don't watch much other than the Steelers, to tell the truth, anymore. So I don't know what he's doing against other right tackles, and I don't know what Chooks or Chucks, as Charles <laughs> Davis called him, and that'll live in my mind for infamy. He's Chucks. I don't know what Chucks does. It doesn't seem like Von Miller plays that hard. Mm-hmm. Craig Wolfley told me that he picks his spots. Okay, I, I've seen really good pass rushers do that. I don't mm-hmm. see TJ Watt picking his spots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's relentless. And Vaughn Miller did some good things against the run. I, I, I watched the game and I, I saw Vaughn Miller uh, get beat on a, a Najee run outside. It was Najee's, I think it was his biggest run of the game. And then on the next play, Ballage came in because Najee was tired. It was such a long run around right end. Yeah. And then Ballage came in and Vaughn Miller stuffed them. And they went on for five, 10 minutes about the great Vaughn Miller's run defense. Didn't say anything about the previous play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, Chucks did his thing on Vaughn. Uh, I, I I don't even watch that. I, 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 I can't keep my eyes off the left side, the young guys. And that's who I pay attention to. Yeah, I know you've been a fan of uh, Junior over there out of Texas A&M for, for quite a while. Um, and even back in training camp, you had hinted at you could see him starting. And, you know, now he's he's there and he's a fixture. Kind of looking at that right tackle, you, you spoke about Chucks. Um, you know, I, I know he came out of concussion protocol. I thought maybe there was a chance that the general maybe got one more swing at it. But it's going to be interesting now um, because Banner probably comes back this weekend. Because I think that 21-day window is up. So what happens at right tackle? Well, I mean, you called it last week with the General Haig uh, playing so playing well enough. Yeah. And, you know, deep into the week, he was still starting. 
And they had uh, Chuck's backup left tackle and uh, Banner backup right tackle behind the general. That that changed. I didn't see the late practice. So that changed late in the week. And, uh, you know, Banner should be ready. Does he get the call? Does he deserve the call? What is it about Zach Banner that has fascinated Steelers Nation so much? He has less experience than probably anybody on that line right now. Yeah. Uh, including those rookies. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Practice is tomorrow, and we'll see. And this is this is the last week before the bye. So if they want to make a change, perhaps they wait till after the bye. Mm-hmm. Maybe Chucks continues there at right tackle. Yeah. I would hope it wouldn't be something where after the bye they put uh, Chuck. Now I'm gonna have I'm gonna be calling him Chucks now. <laughs> They're gonna shift him over to left tackle and put give Banner a chance at right, and then it sits down more just because that continuity I think is important. So hopefully they don't mess with the chemistry too much there. Okay, I thought you were suggesting that. Yeah, I I agree with your disagreement. Yeah. That, that yes, leave, leave more alone. You already yeah. messed with him once in training camp. I did ask more, you know, you were moved to right tackle for a couple weeks. Did that help you overall? And he said, yes, struggling at anything will help you overall. Yeah. I, I, I meant more like, does it round out your game? You know, um, I used to coach baseball for like 20 years, American Legion. And my stepdad is, uh, he's going into the hall of fame in the Pittsburgh public school hall of fame as one of the great baseball coaches. So I learned a lot from him too. And when sometimes when we would have a kid who was slumping at the plate, we would ask him to bat left-handed in practice, not so much in the game, but it would make him focus because he, that was his weak side and he would think more and think about his fundamentals more. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if that helped Ch- um, more, sorry, more when he went to right tackle. Yeah. He didn't mention any of that, but he did mention that just the adversity made him focus more and, and think about his game more and that he feels that yes, it helped, but it just seemed like it, that guy was, he was doing really well at left mm-hmm. tackle and all of a sudden they moved him. Yeah. I wonder if that hurt him a little bit. So right now I would leave him alone. Yeah. I, I would have to agree with you. One person that I would not leave alone, Jim, and I don't know where your stance is on that. Anytime I see Benny Snell go into the backfield, I kind of get some Ajita there. Um, I, I mean, I get it. He, he, Filled in whenever Connor was hurt last year. I think he had a, a hundred yard game there early against the Giants, but he just looks slow. Um, he doesn't look look doesn't look like he can contribute. And why not give Ballage the carries over Snell? And I know that uh, Ballage got some of the carries later on in the game, but even when Anthony McFarland comes back, um, making it uh, excuse me, Ballage give Ballage the carries, work McFarland in there, but. I just I, I don't understand how you could take those players off the field or even pull Najee out. I know he needs a, a rest with all the touches that he's getting, but I think if anything, Snell sets this offense back and doesn't help it. Well, I'm not as down on Benny. It's easy to be down on him, especially the first year he came in with all that Benny Snell football stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think the, his teammates even mocked him a little bit. And, and then he he backed off of that. And he's a different type of guy. I mean, look at Najee's personality. Who doesn't love Najee? Yeah. And so Benny doesn't have that. 
and it's not that he's a bad guy. I don't want to say that. But then he dropped that pass in the open field. It was, it was pretty open. It, it would have been a nice game. And he had the penalty on the opening kickoff, I think, right? Starts him at the 15. Yeah. It's easy to yell at him and dislike him. But I don't know that I've seen anything from Balaj yet. I liked him in preseason. But he's he's pussyfooting around in the backfield. He, he, yeah. He's decisive back there. He needs to show more. He, he, I don't think he deserves to take snaps away from Snell yet. Mm-hmm. McFarland's not an inside. McFarland's not the guy who's going to replace Najee when Najee's hurt. Mm-hmm. He's a gadget guy. He's a, a specialist, you know, for Matt Canada's things he wants to do. And with Juju out, I think that opens up a spot for McFarland to do what they were doing in preseason with the two, two halfbacks in mm-hmm. there. Same time, one on the wing. McFarland was on the wing doing those reverses and and uh, jet sweeps and things like that. So I think that's McFarland's niche, and he has to prove himself there first. Yeah. He yeah. also has to prove he's healthy and get back on the field. Right, right. And there could be a chance he's he's out there this weekend. Um, yeah, because I think he started practicing this past week, or maybe they wait for the bye, um, and then well, hopefully. Uh, yeah, let's just wait. Uh, you know, they're going real slow with guys like this. Uh, I will, while we're there, I will say to it looked in really good shape. Good. But he has a big knee brace on. Okay. So the knee is a thing, and they've downplayed that. And now we see it's more the knee than anything else. But he has lost weight. That's the hard thing with the bad knee is losing the weight, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, all that extra weight gave you the knee issue. How do you lose the weight now that you can't run? Yeah. But yeah. he looks slimmed down and that's exciting. And it looks like he is going to be back probably after the bye. That um, would be a huge, huge win for that defensive line and that defensive defense overall. Shifting gears a bit, uh, Jim, looking at the passing game, Ben Roethlisberger was efficient. Finally, he played his best game of the season. He didn't have to carry the team. He didn't need to throw the ball 40 times. But I want to recognize Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool because they just came up tremendously in this game. Um, Johnson, you know, again, first quarter, hauls in another bomb from Ben. You know, so much for those questions about his arm. He hits Claypool on that slant. Claypool does what he does, gets, you know, 50-plus yards. And then that 18-yard pass over the middle into the end zone, you know, that's something I've questioned, Ben's um, willingness to throw over the field. He connects on that touchdown. Um what, what do you attribute the improvements in the passing game to? And do you think that this is sustainable? Well, Ben's been under a lot of pressure. <laughs> uh, he uh, motivated himself, I would think. And uh, it's a process, too, with him, apparently. But it, uh, let's not get too excited. I mean, he threw two. One was a pick six mm-hmm. to the inside linebacker, dropped two Ben picks. He fumbled bad fumble, hold on to the ball, have better awareness, especially when you're on the move out of a busy pocket. And um, he did throw a pick. So not all was great. He did have 120 passer rating. That would have been knocked down if Alexander Johnson holds on to one of those picks. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to get too carried away, uh, but he hit some deep balls and his receivers, these are the two top receivers top receivers face it they're going to miss juju's toughness in the slot i have my own personal views on how they can replace him we could talk about that later when we get to your your outline there 
But, uh, uh, you know, Johnson and Claypool, especially after Claypool dropped that one pass to him in the hands, it was a nice play by the corner. But that was a big play that Claypool did not make in the first half. In the second half, he 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 came alive. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was that, you know, that failure that spurred him the way the failures have spurred Ben. And mm-hmm. Ben has always been a good October quarterback. Mm-hmm. So maybe he just started a week later this October, but yeah. it, it it did look better. He looks more focused, ready to make quicker decisions. His decision-making and his ability to read defenses came in question and yeah. it cast a light over his entire career. Have they been covering up for his lack of attention to detail? I think he might've heard some of that and uh, he was uh, much more focused much better at reading the Denver defense this week. Yeah, he definitely looked more comfortable uh, back there. And I didn't see the hesitancy, you know, his willingness to take his shots down the field. And I think that's aided too by the running game and just it it keeps the defense on their heels where, you know, they're not teeing off on that short passing game. So if they can sustain that, I think that's how this offense has to win. It can't be the the Ben show. Otherwise we're going to see, you know, the results from the Green Bay Bengals and Raiders game um, with Juju being out. I know a lot of people see this as uh, hindering the team, but does this maybe force Claypool Johnson and even James Washington to elevate their game? And could we maybe see these guys um, take it to the next level and really elevate their game out of necessity? Do you think maybe this is an opportunity for Johnson to become that star you know, that we think he can be or Claypool to become that star. So I, I guess it's sad that Juju, Juju's hurt, um, but does one man's misfortune create really an opportunity for the next Pittsburgh wide receiver star to be born? I think it does. I think we saw that in the second half. More atten- it's, it's not that Juju was in the way. There's a lot of things he does and does well, but um, it really entrenches Claypool and DJ in their two wide receiver sets, you know, those are the guys now. Mm-hmm. There's no, it's not that they catered to Juju's ego. He just deserved uh, some things. And, and they like running that uh, uh, scissors, that whatever you want to call it with Matt Canada, that jet sweep with Juju. That's what he got hurt on. Uh, so that will be missing and, and that will be missing out of the game plan. And that's probably uh, one of the reasons that, uh, he took reps away from Claypool and or Johnson. Now those two are entrenched. Yeah. And we all know about James Washington, tough interior guy who will give you the toughness, maybe not the bruising muscle that mm-hmm. Juju gave you, but maybe a little better speed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah I, but I would like to see more Ebron used, not on that jet sweep, but in the slot as a, as a big receiver, a big possession receiver, it gets him away from the line of scrimmage where he doesn't want to block anyway. Mm-hmm. It might get Derek Watt. You know, there was a I, I, on rewatch. I, I saw a lot of Derek Watt up on the tight end, up at, up at that slot. I want to see more of that. I want to yeah. see more Derek Watt. He was more fullback. I, mm-hmm. I I didn't check the reps on Derek Watt how many snaps he got, but I, I I was surprised that he played as much as he did. And I want to see more. He's a tougher blocker up there than. Ebron, and maybe it gets Gentry on the field more. Maybe it gets Raider 
on the field. Uh, you know, some more toughness at tight end. Then you can move Ebron into what Juju was doing in the middle of the field and make some of those tough catches and bruising after catch runs. So I'd like to see a little more of that, but they do have James Washington too. Yeah. And, and with Washington, you know, I think he's shown in his young career that he can stretch the field a bit. I mean, he doesn't have elite level speed, but he's shown the ability to get behind uh, the cornerback. So maybe that stretches that passing game a bit. Uh, to your point about Ebron, you know how I feel about him. You know, they can line him up out there, but <laughs> chances are he's going to drop it if he's targeted. Uh, but speaking of the tight ends, it, both or all three, Freyermuth, Ebron, and Gentry had each had a catch. Um, but really outside of that, we're limited in their involvement in the offense. With Juju going out, I think they're going to have to you know, increase the inclusion of these tight ends in the passing game, especially Freyermuth. And I remember something you said, probably near the end of August or maybe it was middle August that, you know, at some point mid season, Freyermuth is going to have a, a big game and the national writers are going to be like, well, who's this Pat Freyermuth guy. <laughs> and uh, you know, the local media will be saying, you know, we've seen this all along and he's going to have, have his coming out party. It's just a matter of time. Do you think he's close to emerging or what's, what's the holdup in the tight ends just being more involved in this offense? Uh, I, I think he's, He's there. I don't know that he's close. I think he's there. I think it's all on Ben right now. I know Ben has to spread it around and there's playmakers and there's Najee running the ball. And But I I mean, it looks like Fairmouth's the starter over Ebron. Uh, I, I, I didn't look at the snaps again, but he caught a key third down, third and short. Ben went to him. It was an out. And he had no problem. He has, he has no you don't look at him and, and, and panic that he's going to catch or not catch. Mm-hmm. I, he's reliable to me, and I think he's reliable to Ben. It's just a matter of thinking about him. I, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to evolve, and he's going to be more of a threat. In my opinion, I know you're big on him too, so uh, we'll just watch our guy <laughs> proceed. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a process, and yeah. Ben's going to get – Start going to him more and more. I, I do believe, especially with Juju out. Juju was yeah. a third short guy, mm-hmm. so uh, maybe Fryermoth takes over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Cody White, your boy. Um, I know he. My uh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. I, I mean, outside of that drop, I think he's he's played nice in you know the limited snaps that he's had. Um, but that was I, the announcers were saying that that was on Ben. That Ben didn't put the ball where it needed to, but it hit him right in the hands. Um, do you think Cody White's going to have an elevated role? And I know they brought in some uh, receiver, I think was uh, Anthony Miller drafted second round by the Bears. You know, I don't know if if he's going to be someone they they work to get in the lineup or Rico Bussey, if he'll get an opportunity. Do you see White sticking or do you see them working some of these other guys in to the rotation? I'd like to see him continue to work White. And you mean a drop is a drop. He's a yeah. kid. And don't give up on him yet. Uh, I I know Mike Tallman likes him. Mm -hmm. And I know this kid blocks and does everything uh, for the team. He's team-oriented. And, uh, you know, Denver was a big game for him because that's the team that cut him last year. Uh, I got to believe Anthony Miller's just a practice squad guy. I know they liked him coming out. I liked him coming out. He (laughs) If he does join them, then he'll be – I know Juju's down, but it would be their fifth second round pick. And that's kind of why 
none of those guys have elite speed, but they all have good deep speed because they're all second rounders. Right. They're good receivers who didn't have the timed speed to get in the first round. And it's like the Steelers taking a short guard or a short center. Stuff doesn't matter. Uh, If you're a good receiver, look at DJ. Do you think his time speed matters? Yeah. The Claypool, you know? And so they're taking advantage of those kind of players. And Anthony Miller's another one of them. But, you know, this is a guy that was cut and has been available. Anybody available at this point has to be practice squad consideration to begin with. I don't think they're going to bring him in to take Cody White's place, especially just because of the drop. I know the coach likes Cody White too much to give up on him right now after that. I tell you what, Cody White, to his credit, looks physical. He looks like he's an effort guy. Um, just watching him on tape. Um, and I do think he can <laughs> contribute. Um, and hey, he got separation and he got open. Even though he did drop it, he showed, you know, a little bit of what he can contribute. So sh- shifting over to the defense, uh, really for three quarters, they were stellar. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater did not do much at all outside of that big run by um, Javante Williams. Um, you know, not much really going for the, the Denver offense. Looks like Alex Highsmith got caught inside um on that run uh but Cameron Hayward was stellar again Devin Bush had that big sack for a 12 yard loss after after that big run that was kind of a game turning play um but in the fourth quarter things kind of changed a bit and I don't know if that was a because of a shift in defensive scheme because they had such a commanding lead um take on the defense how they played against the Broncos and then feelings about them moving forward well, I will say that in the fourth quarter, the first drive by Denver, uh, Denver converted four, no, three fourth downs. So, I mean, how bad was the defensive effort? They, they should have been off the field in a normal game situation three times. The drive continued seven and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. I know the week before I gave them the excuse that they were tired because of the offense. You know, Benny Snell gets another inch on that third and five carry. That's another, I, you know, we want to be upset at Benny for not getting that when Najee's out cramping, but he came a lot closer than Balage has. I mean, mm-hmm. now Benny's like, man, all I needed was another half inch. It gives him more motivation next time. Yeah, I think He's just there. I, I don't, but anyway, I think that hurt the defense a bit, but those, um, that, that seven and a half minute drive to open the quarter with the three fourth down conversions. And one was a great uh, um, play by Patrick getting the ball across the line. I mean, I, I thought it was a good play by him. I know the crowd was unhappy with the spot, but I thought it was spotted right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, you know, you look at the end. Um, uh, Pierre gave up the big touchdown. Yeah. And you're saying, wow, how do you give that up when the coach has been uh, – pontificating about keeping the lid on the defense and boy, you give that up. I look at Minka, they were in a cover too. Minka came up for the short route and Mm -hmm. let the, let the the star receiver of the Broncos working against the reserve corner of the Steelers. He allowed him to get deep. If you notice, they tried, I don't know if it was the Sutton again or, or somebody else, the same play down the sideline, and Minka got over, and Minka got over, and the play wasn't – there was no catch, but Minka was over there with urgency. Mm-hmm. I thought that was more on Minka than Pierre. 
Um, and then Pierre makes the great play yeah. at the end on a fourth down, another fourth down. And it was a play I saw in training camp two years ago. It's the same route. I, I, I noted it on Twitter. He ran the route for James Washington. It was the same route. And he mm-hmm. dropped the interception right in his gut. <laughs> and this time he did not. And it was a great play for a young guy. And, and you know, James Pierre, you see him after a game. He's not the most verbal guy. And so you wonder, is this guy ready to play NFL football? I, I His mindset, he's so resilient mm-hmm. Reminded me of Ike Taylor in that way you know he gets beat but that's a position that he understands that hey you get beat and my next play is my most important play yeah and he yeah. did that and that's the mindset that's not easy you know guys like Joe Hayden all state quarterback in the state of Maryland as a high school champion a state champion he has that kind of mind he's sharp you can hear it in his voice when he speaks after a game, how smart he is. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of guy that gets uh, lets a play get in his mind because he's that smart. Yeah. I'm not saying James Spears is not that smart, but I'm saying he has the right mindset. Yeah. And uh, uh, he recovered nicely, and he he was focused on what he had to do, listened to his coach. He said Terrell Austin was in his, in his ear after giving up the big play and coached him through it, coached him to the next stop, and, and – James Pierre came through. Yeah. And I was a little critical uh, after or on Pierre after the game, just just because in that Bengals contest, he got burnt by uh, was that Jamar Chase. So I'm thinking, all right, we're seeing a pattern and trend here. But the more I thought about it from your perspective that, you know, you do have to have a short memory as a cornerback because you're not going to be perfect. You're going to give up those big plays. And you're right. The resiliency, the perseverance that you know, after you get beat, you come up with a game, game-saving play. You know, you prevent a touchdown. I think that does say a lot about this kid. And that's the other thing. He's a kid. You know, he's he's young in this position, and he was forced into a starting role. Didn't get a lot of help from uh, Fitzpatrick. So, um, I think there's reasons to be encouraged there. Let me add this about Pierre. You know, that play he ran down the running back from behind, he credited Joe Hayden because Joe Hayden didn't give up on it. Mm-hmm. And Pierre turned on the Jets and ran past Hayden to make the tackle. Now, even if Hayden did catch up to that running back, that running back would have dragged Hayden into yeah. the end zone. Pierre's a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. Pierre has four, five, nine speed. So it's going to be problematic to a degree, that lack of elite speed. Jamar Chase is going to beat a lot of people, a lot yeah. of people. And so is Cortland Sutton. Those are two premier wide receivers. Pierre did okay. Now we see some of the flaws to him, but boy, running down that running back was so huge. Yeah. They four points. You know, Devin Bush came through with a big sack and there was a delay game penalty and that moved them back off. I think it was a two yard line where he dragged him down after that big run. He saved four points. And uh, there was another play where they saved four points. Where did they save four points later? Oh, Getting the field goal, um, no, getting a touchdown instead of a field goal. Uh, it was a third and long, I believe, and he hit Claypool in the end zone. There was another four-point swing, mm. and look, they won by eight points. Those two plays, saved four yeah. points, they won by eight. Um, so Pierre made made a really great play on that running back. Uh, yeah. so I like him. I know he's not doesn't have that elite speed, but he 
he was big enough to take yeah. down that running back who dragged Marlon Humphrey 20 yards yeah. last week. And Marlon Humphrey's a physical corner. Yeah. Yep. He's definitely gritty. And we'll we'll take all that that we can get on this defense and just kind of closing the book uh on the Broncos game in terms of the defense. The outside linebackers were a bit quiet. Um, I know that TJ had that uh, big tackle for a loss, but Alex Highsmith's next sack will be his first in this regular season. I know he's been impacted by a groin injury, um, but why the, uh, I guess, just this this quiet moment for the outside linebackers in terms of the pass rush? I will say that Alex Highsmith has improved immensely against the run, and that was a weakness last year for him. Is that his focus right now? Uh, and how much has the groin injury hurt him? I'm not too worried about the lack of sacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, Henry Mondo got a sack. <laughs> Loudermilk got a sack. Let's yeah. remember Loudermilk sack because yeah. it's not in the official stats. It was mm-hmm. taken away by a decision to accept a Denver holding penalty. Mm-hmm. So it wiped out his sack. So there's some other guys doing some things. I, I like. I still like Heisman. Yeah, And I really like what they're doing with the three outside linebacker sub package. They're getting Ingram on the field with those guys. And we as fans, not that I'm a fan, I'm an, a journalist, I'm an objective journalist, <laughs> but we all wondered, hey, can they get all three of those guys on the field at the same time? It's like getting two running backs on the field. You know, mm-hmm. it's something we writers do. We write about fantastical stuff that coaches just roll their eyes about, but they're doing it. Yeah, And I, it didn't work yet, yet. Let's, yeah. let's see more of it. I, I I was excited to see that. And then the other thing without the, the fourth quarter, Devin Bush wasn't on the field either. And so that kind of hurt a little bit. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, bringing it all together, Jim, um, you know, where do we go from here? You know, a big one against Seattle. Again, a wounded Seattle team without Russell Wilson. Really a big opportunity for the Steelers Sunday night in Pittsburgh. Um, opportunity to get to 500 before the bye week and then a big showdown on all days Halloween uh, in Cleveland against the Browns. Um, how do you see things playing out here uh, Sunday night? Yeah, don't even th- – why even talk about that Halloween night <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the lake? I tell you, you know, whenever I drive to Cleveland Stadium, I get that parking spot way at the end of the lot, right on the lake, like, mm-hmm. and it's dark and it's night, and you look at those waves out there – it's kind of spooky, and now it's going to be Halloween. So let's just wait on that. I mean, this is total all in on all in on Geno Smith. Yeah, and they're they're four, Steelers are four point favorites, which is a bit of a surprise. But you know, look without Russell Wilson. So hey, get to five hundred, get yeah. your buy, make your make your changes. Don't make your changes before then. You know. Yeah. So and hopefully two, it'll be back. Devin will be 100%. TJ will be 100%. Highsmith will be 100%. Yeah, because it's going to be it, it, it's going to be a big game, but that's way, way, way down the road. Right now, yeah. it's all about Seattle, yep. and they have a good chance to get to 500. Yep, that would be big, and especially to keep pace. I, I had my fingers crossed, that, and it looked like Indy was going to pull it out last night against the Ravens, but somehow Lamar Jackson – Got it done, and uh, you know they're they're quietly atop the division. Cincinnati drop one to uh, the Packers, but they've got to win to 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 keep pace. All right, Jim. Well, now it is time. Go ahead. Let me throw this in there about the Ravens, and I love Lamar Jackson. I I think he gets too much uh, criticism for his passing. I think he's just going to get better and better and better. And I thought the Steelers made a mistake in passing on him. 
but the Steelers had Larkin Poe, one of my favorite bands in to play the national anthem and play before. And they're, they're two, two of the coolest chicks. I tell you, can you use chicks? I'm 60 years old. Does anyone even use that word anymore? I think that's, that's okay. I love them. They, they play great music. They're two great guitar players and they're descendants of Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, wow. And they played Pittsburgh that night. And that's why they were at, at Heinz field last week. If we could, you know, if the Steelers can take them, bring them into the fold in some way to, you know, use the Edgar Allan Poe ancestry against the Ravens some way. Yeah. You know, make the Poe all ours. <laughs> oh, that I think there, there's something there, a little tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Andrew Malkasian, the guy who uh, found founded the Still Study with me, um, he t- he's a big history guy. And he told me that the actual Raven, that the poem that Poe wrote about is it, it's housed in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which I didn't know. So he said that's that <laughs> Pennsylvania owns the Ravens, literally. <laughs> well, hey, get that get that museum artifact into Heinz Field with Larkin Poe the night of the Ravens game. And let's yeah. let's steal some of their mojo. Yeah. Know? Hey, I'm I'm all in. I'm, I'll make a I'll make a call. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jim. Time for the terrible three. This is where I throw three questions Jim's way. He doesn't know that, uh, where they're coming from out of left field, and we get some great content. So, Jim, are you ready for this week's edition of the terrible three? I don't think I am, but let we have to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. First up. Big Ben finally played a decent game. Did he get out of his funk on Sunday and will he stay out of his funk or was his performance just a flash in the pan? I think it is what it was and you hit the nail. They have to keep uh, running the ball and he's getting a better feel for his receivers. But boy, those corners are really diving in front of those outs now. I mean, they know there's less juice on the ball these days, but there's still enough. They didn't get it. And he has to stop throwing to inside linebackers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it didn't hurt him this game because this guy dropped the couple. Um, I don't want to go either extreme. I don't want to say flash in the pan, and I don't want to say he's still shot. It was improvement, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take that. He, you can win. He still not doesn't look as old as Peyton Manning did when Peyton won a Super Bowl. Yeah. He has to read defenses like Peyton was. He has to keep his focus. That's all I'll say about Ben. Yeah. I think our word for the offense and for Ben will be process. It's a yes. process. Yes. Yep. And I didn't say symbiotic this week. Just oh. point that out. <laughs> yeah. You did say it or are you saying I, it now? I didn't. I'm saying it now. I had to get it in there somehow. Yeah. So. It was symbiotic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Next one, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster with that uh, – you know, very sad to see him go down with that shoulder injury. He's going to be out for the year. Probably his last uh, play is a Pittsburgh Steeler. You know, looking at his career with the Steelers, what will he best be remembered for? I mean, I think we can recall his bike getting stolen or his big hit on Vontae's perfect. But what what is your what will be your um, most memorable moment with Juju Smith-Schuster? The two ninety-seven yard plays back when he seemed to have more speed. It- I'm guessing he became more physical instead of work continuing to work, keep that speed of his. I don't know that he has that 97 yard speed that he's showed twice to us. Yeah. And those were, those were beautiful plays, but the one play I'll remember is against the Raiders 
when they were losing, it was an impossible, you know, one of those impossible losses were happening right in front of our eyes. And they ran that uh, hook and sugar, the hook and lateral to Juju. Uh, it was beautifully, beautifully played. Uh, they, Juju had said they had perfected it. And uh, he took the lateral, sped down the sideline. That was scant seconds left in the game. And that play set them up for a Boswell 40-yard field goal, which he slipped, fell on his ass, mm. and they missed it. Mm. But that play, Juju Juju saved them, apparently. And I, I thought that was a great play, a big-time playmaker's play at a moment where you needed it. He had a big play against the Patriots before Jesse dropped that ball. Right. Uh, Juju has made some plays at Vontez perfect hit and also in the locker room after a Bengals game, the, the, the game after the Juju after the Vontez perfect, when Vontez perfect was back on the field, he took some cheap shots at Juju. And I asked Juju about perfect. And he looked at me and there was a crowd around us and he went on a rant. It was beautiful. And he just, Juju doesn't charm the rest of the reporters and he wasn't charming me, but he was answering my question, looking directly in my eyes and went on a beautiful rant about perfect. And the woman next to me is from ESPN, one of their star reporters, a woman. And she said to Juju, Juju, could you say that same thing again, but only look into my camera this time? And Juju said, no. <laughs> so, so much for him worrying about his brand all the time. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna abide that, and I was so happy about that. So anyway, that's a little behind the scenes look at the yeah. media there. That's how it works sometimes. That's an absurd request. It's it's what happens. It, you know, you get it. it TV people, mm. you know, ESPN has a lot of pressure on these people. To, they pay them a lot of money. They're dressed up all fine, and yeah, <laughs> it's how it goes. That's really a peer behind the curtain there. Yeah. All right, Jim. And the last one, uh, Jay Glazer, um, who reportedly is very close friends with Mike Tomlin, spoke this week that once Ben is done, <clears throat> that Tomlin is not going to want a rookie to step in and be the signal signal caller, um, you know, as this team moves on from Roethlisberger, that in fact he wants a veteran quarterback. Um, leading up to that Green Bay game, uh, we saw Aaron Rodgers' comments uh, about the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. Are things being set up for a potential um, unique connection here at the end of the season at quarterback? Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. Glazer is close with Tomlin. I remember uh, seeing them take long walks at the end of the day at St. Vincent, and I'm like, oh, I got to read Glazer within the next week, see what unofficial off the record stuff he comes up with because I know he's talking to the guy Yeah, and he would never write anything. I'm like, wow, he must really be close to this guy because yeah. he's not even using this stuff. So yes, he is close. And I would, I would believe all of that. But that said, Mason Rudolph is a veteran quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the point is that Tomlin isn't going to, they may draft someone top 10 if they can or something like that. But it's, he's not going to be looking to play that guy right away. Mason yeah. Rudolph will be the quarterback. Now, Aaron Rodgers, he was on Pat McAfee's show. Pat McAfee's a Pittsburgh kid. It seems like he's a Pittsburgh fan as well. So I think that kind of promoted Rodgers into talking nicely about the Steelers or even talking about the Steelers at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was apparent they were pitching woo to each other on the field. Yeah. <laughs> No that was pretty fun. <laughs> and, 
and and you know Rodgers isn't stupid. You look at that defense. You look at those receivers. You look at this line being built now for poor Ben, and it's yeah. thirty nine years. Uh, Rodgers would love to step into that. I'm sure it's yeah. it's a potential championship, and Rodgers would not get booed. I don't think here at all, and nobody would care about any quirks in his personality. I mean, Ben's had some quirks in his personality. Everybody's gotten used to that. Rogers would be loved in this town. This would be huge. And as he said, he's heard Yinzer talk for how many years in his headset from uh, his old coach. Yeah, McCarthy. Yeah. All of that said, why are the Packers going to trade or cut this guy after they just did this whole new contract? They would have to eat something like $20 next year. I don't see that happening at all. Otherwise, everything else seems to fit. I just don't see it. I think he's talking about Mason Rudolph. Is that yeah. yeah. Well, we've got a long season before we get to that point, and hopefully, uh, you know, Ben plays well enough that we want to have him back for for another season. But uh, again, big week. Finally, we get to talk about a victory. Uh, Jim, it's always great talking Steelers football with you. Please check out Jim's work on the Still City Insider, and check us out every Tuesday. Again, we try to publish. Uh, around 6 a.m., a new episode of our podcast. We appreciate you being here with us today. Uh, You can give Jim a follow on Twitter at Jim Wexel. You can check out my work at thestillstudy.com and give me a follow on Twitter at stillstudy. And we will see you back here next week on the Steelers Insider Podcast. Jim, have a great week. You too, Jeremy. Take care, bud.